Folks, I'm going to introduce Deacon Mary. We had Ruth Haley Barton come and speak to some of us in this difficult time, and she looked at Luke 24, the walk to Emmaus, and she highlighted the verse where Jesus enables them to sit still and be sad. And she let us linger with that. So as we're in the desert that is all around us with these plants that have emerged, as we find ourselves in this dry season, it's a difficult thing to continue to teach as usual. So Deacon Mary will lead us deeper into Lent. We got there early this year, and it is not simulation Lent. It is real Lent. We joke about the Church of the Perpetual perpetual Lent. This is the real thing. We are in the wilderness that Father Arcadi talked to us about. So with mercy and tenderness toward one another as we walk through this together, I'm grateful for Deacon Mary to uh, take the lead in this regard. So thank you. Welcome. Let's pray. Father, you permitted Cleopas and the unnamed disciple to be sad along their journey before any hope, before any explanation. We know you permit that for us as well. Walk with us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah, there is, there is a handout if you... And maybe you could just set the rest of them back there on a... No pressure. Um, okay, so I don't know how many of you were here when I talked about candle mass. Seems so long ago, and um, I want to kind of pick up from there. Uh, for those of you who weren't here, um, we we talked about how we experience the church year can be a way that we can embrace the rhythms of the spiritual life. And so we're going to be talking about how we do that in Lent. But first, I kind of want to review a little bit um, what we had talked about in terms of these three eternal movements towards God that are the classic, basically the classic spiritual journey. And the first one is surrender. The second one is naming God's presence. Naming God's presence is acknowledging and increasing in our awareness of where God is at work in our lives. And taking hold is seeing where he's at work in our lives and aligning ourselves to that. And each day when we get up, we have this rhythm in our lives. Each day we can get up and we can say, Lord, I surrender my day to you. I surrender my life to you. And 
help me to see where you are present in my life today. May I embrace your presence. May I name and celebrate your presence. And may I align my life to the ways that you are working in the world. May I ask for what you want for me today, not what I want for you today. And these are the three eternal movements of the soul. But we also learned how each season highlights that movement and allows us to enter more deeply into it. Um, this is our little uh, circle that we started out with at the beginning of the year when I talked about ordinary time. And we talked about how the, our life in Christ is circular. It seems like we are always returning to those points where we need to surrender more, where we need to ask God for more of him, his presence in our life. But as that is circular, it's like a bicycle. We're always moving forward. And, every, and as liturgical people that live in the church year, we don't really get tired of celebrating Advent or celebrating Lent or experiencing Easter morning. Because every year when we experience it, we are different people. So it doesn't get boring. We're different people this Lent than we were last Lent. So we're going to be experiencing Lent differently this year. And if you look at the little chart that I gave you on the handout, um, this basically shows how this works out in the rhythm of the church year. Um, there are three triads. Um, uh, the, um, the man that wrote the book, The Wisdom of the Seasons, which I adapted this from, uh, talks about there's the Advent triad, or the Christmas triad, which is Advent, Epiphany, um, well, Advent, the Christmas festival, that one week, where we, two weeks where we celebrate Christmas and Epiphany. The Easter triad is Lent, the Easter festival, that first week of Easter, and then what we call Easter tide. And then in Pentecost, the Pentecost triad, which is where we find ourselves in ordinary time, there are those 10 days between the Ascension and Pentecost morning that we call basically a, also is a, um, a time of waiting because we're waiting for Pentecost. So that's kind of a short season of waiting, but it is there in that Pentecost triad. Then the Pentecost festival itself, where of course we name God's presence and his Holy Spirit and fire. And then all of ordinary time is basically aligning ourselves to God. And in ordinary time, we are learning about what it means to be a Christian. We are walking our own lives rather than walking, aligning our lives to Christ's lives rather than in the other two triads, we were walking along with Christ and experiencing Christ. So there is this ebb and flow in our spiritual life, just like there is in the seasons. And what, how we experience the waiting in Lent is very different from how we experience it in um, Advent. And the author of the book that I wrote, that I'm basing a lot of this on, says that the waiting of Lent that characterizes he says the color purple actually characterizes this waiting and yearning. And the waiting of yearning in Lent is characterized by suffering, relinquishment, brokenness, 
alienation, abandonment, loneliness, isolation, conflict, and death. And I think some of that sounds very familiar right now, doesn't it? In our journey together as a church. It's just basically that. So Lent is basically this idea of the journey to the cross. And as Matt said, we got a little bit of the cross early this year. We got it in Epiphany. Because the cross is basically dying to everything that we had hoped for and embracing suffering. The Lenten preparing and waiting culminates in Holy Week with the devastation of letting go and death. Walking through the valley of death is the part of the pilgrimage. And that's what Lent is, is walking through this valley of death. But Lent is not all ashes. I like to think, somebody said to me, I think it was actually as we were uh, entering for Ash Wednesday, someone said, can you be happy on Ash Wednesday? And I said, yes, you can, because what we're celebrating today is God's grace. So Lent is the season of resting in God's grace. That's what Lent is for. It's, it's to rest in God and receive his grace. That's what the waiting is. Remember how I talked about how waiting, I think this was back in Advent, I said, we don't like to wait. But waiting is resting. Waiting is being willing to be in that in-between space where we don't know what actually is going to happen next. We know what's gone on before, but we're not sure what's going to happen next. And we're waiting. And all we can do when we wait is we, all we can do really is rest. We can't do anything. So it's letting go of the faults to embrace the true. And it's coming back to our true selves in God. Um, I think I've been, this is a wonderful get book, The Gift of Being Yourself. And I've been reading and meditating on this a lot. And I love this quote that he gives. He says, we do not find our true self by seeking it. Rather, we find it by seeking God. Because what is false in us is what we have put on. The masks, I talked about the masks in my sermon a few weeks ago. The masks that we have put on so that we can endure what we endure. And we learn these as, as children, actually. Um, we learn that we're supposed to be brave. So if we're crying and your mommy or your daddy says, how are you doing? You, I said, I'm doing fine. Because I didn't want to disappoint the people in my life that I wasn't doing okay. I wanted them to know that I was doing fine so they would feel fine when I wasn't fine. And so we learn this in childhood. We learn how to cover up what we're really feeling because we want, that's how we get along in the world. And what Lent is, Lent is about letting go of all that and only relying on God not relying on those things. There's nothing wrong. We all have images of ourselves. We might have an image of ourselves as someone who is creative or someone who is deep or someone who is generous. And it's nothing wrong with wanting 
to be those things, but it's when we think we're those things in our own strength, rather than knowing that we can be those things only if we seek God. So in God, we find our truest self. And in Lent, as we return to God, that's who we're seeking. We're seeking to find that. So Lent is this time of increasing in our knowledge of God's love. So we're going to talk about two practices today of knowing we are made strong in our weakness. That was the last point. Knowing that when we are weak, God will make us strong. So we embrace our weaknesses because we know that the only bridge that we have to get from this place of being weak to this place of being strong, that bridge is God's grace. Just imagine a bridge. Imagine a bridge over two pieces of land and connecting two pieces of land and where we are in our weakness and where we are in our sadness and we want to get to the other side. We want to get to Easter morning. But the only way we can get to Easter morning is to cross that bridge of God's grace. That is the only way we can get there. Only God, God has to be the bridge, can't be ourselves. So. Uh, come on, please. Oh, wait a minute, I'm gonna go back. Okay, so we're going to talk about two practices. Um, we're going to talk about lament, and we're going to talk about confession, examine, and repentance. So that's what this handout is. I want you to take this home. We're not going to get a chance to practice that probably today. Maybe we will. But um, these are two practices we're going to talk about. But we're also going to talk about what it's like to be in the desert. Um, we need to acknowledge right now, and I didn't hear James' sermon, so I'll get to hear it at 11, but we need to acknowledge that we are in the desert right now with Jesus. And in that desert, we have to acknowledge that we're dry, we're hurting. We have to, as Matt said, we have to learn how to sit in that. And that's what surrender is. Surrender is surrendering to the moment that we are in now. It's facing reality of what we are. So we have to carve that desert. But Lent will help us shape that journey. And I'm going to invite all of you to allow Lent to help us get through this experience that we're having as a church. And how can Lent do that? And one of the ways Lent can do that is the gospel stories in Lent. One of the beautiful things, well, as Matt mentioned, we had Ruth Haley Barton come yesterday, and she got a little ahead of us in maybe the church year, but she talked about the road to Emmaus, and that was a story that gave meaning to what we're experiencing. We listened to her tell the story in a new way, talking about how the disciples had chosen to walk together talking about how Jesus asked them, what is wrong? What are you talking about? And they just stood still and were sad. And we talked about how Jesus said to them, did not you know that you were supposed to experiencing these things? 
Don't you know that part of our Christian life is walking in the cross? So we're going to use our gospel stories in Lent to help shape our experience of Lent in the same way. And when I say story, I don't mean these are stories like myths. I mean these are stories that we, it, it, that are our stories. These are real stories. And what we do with these stories is we make them our stories. And part of getting to know God more deeply in Lent is getting to know Jesus. And there's no better way to get to know Jesus than to read the Gospels and to put ourselves in the story and to imagine ourselves even in the story. How would we experience this if we were there? To use our imagination when we're reading, to see Jesus in our mind's eye, to see how Jesus is reacting to the people that he sees and to see his love in these stories and to receive his love. So one of the first things I think we can do this Lent, and you know, we talk about giving up things, but I think we, we give up things so that we can concentrate more on God. And maybe what we need to give up this Lent is something that takes up our time that would prevent us from being able to really allow Jesus to teach us through his stories in the gospel. And so I know at Candle Mass, one of the things I talked about is how the lectionary in each season um, helps us do what we're supposed to be doing in that season. It helps us to wait. It helps us to yearn. It helps us to hope. And so the gospel stories in Lent do that. So these are the gospel stories that we're going to have for the next five weeks. We had the first one today, which was Jesus in the desert. Jesus, who found his identity completely in the Father. That's what those temptations were about. The devil was tempting him to be something other than what God had called him to be. So when we immerse ourselves in this story, we're with Jesus in the desert. We're asking Jesus, with Jesus, how can we be what God wants us to be? What is our true identity? Next week, we're going to be hearing the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the night and said, what must I do? What must I do? Nicodemus was in a point of waiting. Waiting for what he thought was going to be revealed. Nicodemus was waiting for the Messiah who was going to come and change the world. All of a sudden, this picture is changing. So he goes to Jesus and says, what is going on? So Nicodemus, in many ways, can help us understand what it means to wait. The next story is the woman at the well. A woman who came to Jesus was pouring water, and she didn't know that Jesus knew everything about her. Maybe she wanted to kind of pretty herself up for God. I mean, she didn't know he was God, but this stranger. Maybe she thought, there's a stranger. Um, and 
Jesus told her everything about herself. And so in that sense, there was surrender for that woman. To surrender to the God who is going to promise her living water. To surrender her life of sin. The next story we have is the man born blind from birth. That's another story that can shape our Lenten experience. Why are we where we are? What did Jesus say to the man born blind? Did he say it was because of the sin of his fathers? Why are we where we are? And then we have the final story before Palm Sunday is going to be the death of Lazarus. Facing death, facing pain, facing the cross. Martha and Mary had lost hope. So in Lent, let these gospel stories, let them shape us. Let us be ministered to Jesus through these gospel stories. And I would really encourage you that throughout the week, like the next week, contemplate the story of Nicodemus. Read the story of Nicodemus. We have in our bulletins, you've got the handout that has the lectionary for next week printed right on it. So if you've got any question about what the lectionary is, it's in that little insert. Also in Lent, we are reading Romans. And so again, another wonderful book. What is Romans about? Free grace. So we have a chance to meditate in Romans also. And the Psalms, each week the Psalm is also a Lenten Psalm, a Psalm that helps us experience Lent. So I really encourage you to take out your little, your Bibles, maybe don't even take out your phones, just take out your Bibles, go like non-digital, and get that little piece of paper, Matt's got one right there, yeah, and meditate on those stories and those scriptures, Romans, the gospel stories, the Psalms, the Old Testament prophecies that offer the hope of the Messiah. And that, those stories will help us deal with our experience because we are creatures of story. We are creatures who find meaning in stories. Stories help explain our world to ourselves. So the three um, movements of surrender Waiting, yearning, I actually replace yearning with hope, and repentance. We're going to talk a little bit about what do those look like? What are those three eternal movements? So what does surrender look like? Surrender is acknowledging the moment that we are in and giving it to God. It is sitting in our grief. It is not trying to pretend our life is better than it is. And it's opening up our pain to God. And why would we even want to do that? I mean, in some ways, we, like, we don't want to open up that pain because it's too painful. Um, but... When we open up our pain to God, when we open up who we are in God, 
this gives us an opportunity to bridge the gap between what we believe and who we are and what God has created us to be. And we can't do that unless we surrender the present moment, unless we acknowledge who we are. There's so much as a community that we have to surrender. Um, in many ways, we had an image of our church as a very special church. And it is a very special church, okay? I'm not trying to say it's not. But when we cling to what we think is important, when we don't allow the possibility that we might actually have to feel differently than that which we cling to, that's when we are clinging in a false way. So if we are coming to this church because we want to go to a special church, we want to go to a church that's so creative, we had a pastor who made everything, the aesthetics, all this experience. The liturgy is special because it's not a liturgy from any one book. It's from four different books. It's so special. How can we let go of that? Um, but we have to be willing to be what God wants us to be and to let go of those images that we might have that we think are so important. So important part of surrender is that the awareness of this pain, the awareness of our sin, must be always overpowered by the awareness of the love and acceptance that God has for us. So what gives us the courage to lament is this knowledge that God loves us, and that's grounding what we're doing. So I'd like you to look, I'd like you to take a look at this handout that I've just given you on writing laments, because a lament to me is really what, that's what really symbolizes what surrender is, is lamenting. Um, and um, this is something that Canon Sherry um, gave all of us in the clergy, and so I am passing it on to you. I abbreviated it a little bit, and she gave me permission to print it. Um, but the psalmist knew the importance of crying out to the Lord for help in the midst of their problems and pain. Lament helps us to fully express our feelings in a way that connects us with the presence and power of God. Again, bridging that gap between what is unreal and what is real. The subconscious is brought up and out into the light of God's presence where we can find healing and truth. Like the psalmist, we can move from helplessness and hopelessness, hopelessness to confidence that God's help and presence is there for us. So she has outlined to us what a lament can be. And the first step in writing a lament is identifying the wound. Maybe we don't even know what the wound is, but that's the first step in writing a lament. And to let the words come freely without holding back any emotion or thought. We're going to be real with God. We're not going to pretty ourselves up for God. So I would encourage you to take this home and to write out 
a lament. That's the only, that's the place where you have to start. We have to start here. Can't start any place else. Um, I'd like to start with fixing things because I'm, I'm, I'm the Enneagram, I'm a one. So I want to fix it. And people are tired of hearing me telling them how we're going to fix this church. I know they are. <laughs> um, especially our senior warden, I think. <laughs> but, um, but no, because we have to allow ourselves to wait. And waiting is surrendering and, and it's sitting in our pain. It's resting in our pain. Resting because we know God wants to love us. Waiting. I think I've just talked about that, so I think we're going to go on. Yearning. We yearn for hope. We yearn to have hope. And in our surrender, the way the lament works is that we begin to see glimmers of hope. We're able to lay it out before God, but then we see that once we can do this, perhaps even in doing it, there's a glimmer of hope, a yearning for God to come and heal us. So yearning in Lent is a yearning for healing. So um, last week I teach a class at North Park and part of the syllabus on Christian spirituality and part of the syllabus is that they have to go to two different church services to experience a church service that's unlike what they might be used to. And so we went to this Pentecostal um, Hispanic church in Humboldt Park, and it was so wonderful. I was so ministered to by the Spirit there. Um, but this was the scripture that um, the pastor talked about. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So folks, we are in that journey where we're saying, yes, we're weak. We're not as strong as we thought we were. But that's a good place to be because that's when God comes and ministers to us his grace. We can't be strong in ourselves. We have to be strong in his grace. And that's the hope that we have. That's the hope before us, the resurrection, the resurrection power, the Holy Spirit. That's the hope that's before us, that Christ's power will rest on us. But first we have to go through that wilderness. So repentance, I almost don't want to say um, repentance because sometimes when we think of repentance, we think of beating ourselves up and that's not something we like to do. So I'd like you to turn now to the other side, which is 
the examine of consciousness. And this is what repentance is supposed to look like, is the steps involved in these prayers, in this prayer. Again, when I previous quote that was up there, we can't even begin to repent unless we're aware of God's love for us. Otherwise, we're just beating ourselves up. So the first step in this prayer of examine, and this is laid out by a man, Timothy M. Gallagher, um, the examine prayer, Ignatian wisdom for our lives today. This, is a, this, is, this prayer of examine is based on Ignatian spirituality. Um, again, this is a wonderful book. If you want to read a book for Lent, I would recommend either um, The Gift of Being Yourself or this one. So I become aware of the love with which God looks upon me as I begin this examine. We begin by praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help us see ourselves as God sees us and to be willing to receive the power of his deep love. I'm going to go back to that one because I think this is the context of repentance, our weaknesses, admitting our weaknesses to God and knowing that his grace is sufficient. So I note the gifts that God's love has given me this day and give thanks for them. We can never forget to be thankful. Even when we're in light, we have to be thankful. And that's where that hope comes in. Like, we could see the way God is working. I can see the way God is working in this church in incredible ways. I know we're going to be stronger and better once we get through this. All of you are here this morning. You didn't just walk away. You chose to be here. That's something to be thankful for. But there's other things to be thankful for. We can be thankful for Andrew, who's taken the reign as priest in charge. And so much wonderful wisdom. Um, we can trust his leadership. That's another thing to be thankful for. And then, God, where have you been working with me? And this is not so much a review of the days or the week's events as to how you responded to them. To look for the stirrings of your heart and the interior places God was directing you. And that's really the important thing here, is not so much what happened as how did we respond. Because looking for those patterns of how we respond falsely the things that we want to rely on help us bridge that gap between the false self and the real, between the false self and God. So all of us are experiencing what we've gone through differently. Like I just said, I'm experiencing is, I want to fix everything. Someone else might experience it as shame. Someone else might experience it as anger. And so we look at that and we say, why am I responding that way? What is that pattern in my life? that has caused me to respond that way. How can I let God touch that and change that? We live in community. This isn't about our individual journey. It's about our journey as a community. So we do need to ask, where did I see today in our examine God working in others? How did I see God working in others that is furthering the kingdom. In a way, I'd like to further the kingdom. 
Could I align myself with what I see others doing? Um, number five, God, what thoughts or actions have not been of you? How can I learn from these to trust you more deeply and receive your forgiveness? Again, the point of this prayer is to receive God's grace and love, to see God's grace and love in our lives and to embrace it. It's not to make a list of all the things we've done wrong that day. It's to see where God is working and loving us. That's what I think repentance can look like in this season that we have. This all takes time. Time we need to give God to do. Spiritual practices are just basically letting God do what he needs to do, giving him the time. So these are, yes? Absolutely. Do you have like a favorite word of scripture that is really special to you? Like even a life scripture? Yeah. yeah. Um, repeating that? Repeating that, and again, asking God, still my heart, be still. But absolutely, thank you for bringing that up, because this is what is so hard about silence, is that we do have to just face whatever is going on in our lives. And I know centering prayer is a really wonderful practice, but sometimes we can't start with centering prayer because we don't even know how to be silent yet. And when we are praying a prayer, like a word of scripture or a word that is special to us, uh, for me, it's Abba, Father, because Abba is my, this is how I'm connected to God, is that he has adopted me as his child. So Abba is a word. But as I'm repeating these words, there are thoughts that kind of float across my brain. And sometimes I like get completely distracted and start thinking about those things. But it's like, what's really important though is pay attention to what those thoughts are. Write them down. Stop praying and write down what those thoughts are because that helps us see what it is that we are struggling with right now. That helps us surrender. So sometimes we just have to sit, we just have to say, God, here I am. And this is what I'm feeling. So silence isn't always silence in your brain. It's a conversation with God, too. Again, keeping a prayer journal. Um, you might want to write your lament in your journal. 
You might want to write a lament every week. <laughs> I think that wouldn't hurt any of us. Um, this is just a beautiful, I love this format that, she's, that Ken and Sherry has provided for us. Um, and then set aside a few hours for extended prayer and lectio divina. You know, we have this thing where we have to get up every morning and read our Bibles and sit in silence. And sometimes we, that just doesn't happen. And sometimes for some of us, it's better to just say, I'm going to have a morning or I'm going to give an hour to God. And that actually works better for me than, I mean, I do pray every morning. I'm not trying to say I don't pray every morning. But that extended period of time is where I'm really fed. Because some mornings, it's listen to pray as you go, and I'm going. <laughs> so sometimes just you need to set aside an hour. That will help you. And then to take prayer walks. Yes? Did you say more about pray as you go? I just learned about it a week ago, and I think it's wonderful. Yeah, pray as you go is an app. Just type in on the app store, pray as you go. And it is an app that helps you learn how to pray and do Lectio Divina. Um, you, it starts out with a song that helps you gather your thoughts, gather, you know, be before God. And then this, um, they use the communion lectionary, which is a different lectionary than what we use. The communion lectionary is, I mean, we have it actually in our lectionaries. If we had communion every day, we come to church, there would be a lectionary. So that's the lectionary that they use. But they often will use gospel stories, and they help you, guide you into those gospel stories. Um, and then they ask really important questions. I, I get so much out of it. But also on Praise You Go, there, is, there are retreats. There are longer things that you can do. There's probably a Lent retreat. There's, there's different, there's longer, like there is a centering prayer, learning how to do centering prayer. So there's other aspects of Praise you go that aren't just the daily praise you go. Yes, Elizabeth. Daily is just 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. Yeah. And um, I have to get up at 5 in the morning to travel to North Park. And so that's what I do. I have my coffee and I'm just listening to praise you go. Yes. Yes. Um, I think lament is directed towards God. I think that's the main difference. I think self-pity is directed towards ourselves. Why can't we be better people? Why can't our life be different? Rather than directing, when we bring the self-pity to God, he can transform it. So I think a lament is directing everything towards God. And the Psalms are great for this. Yes. Yes. Yes, be kind to yourself because always remember, oops, my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
we have weaknesses. And, you know, Paul, when he, I, many of you probably know the context of this was where he was talking about how he had this something, we don't know what it is, this thorn in his side, and God refused to move, remove it from him because God wanted to remind him every day that he was weak and that he could be made strong, that God's grace was sufficient. I'm getting the kind of the, um, I, can I, nope, not, I can't, it's five to ten. Um, I'm going to show you this. Um, a prayer for Lent. We have back there our Ash Wednesday, our Lenten prayer booklets, and this is a prayer that is in the back of that, and um, this is a beautiful prayer for Lent. So let's just, I want to end with that. I think I have 15 seconds. Slow us down for the fast. Still our resting spirits. Calm our racing minds. Center our being. Let our longing linger. Let it take root and create a beautiful yearning space that has time to wake. Slow us down for the past. Silence the siren voices. Wait for our weary wanting to meet our need and common ground. So happy Lent.